How about now? Yeah. You know, there's a solution, and that's just like keep your finger in your nose through the whole podcast. Because <laughs> then you won't be able to tell the difference. Well, hello there, Andy. Good afternoon. This is Homebound Happy Hour, episode 54. Your one-stop shop for... All your drinking and television needs. Happy hour conversation. Um. Yeah, I made us a little something special today. What? Uh, what is this? So, <laughs> what, uh, the is <laughs> what is this? We haven't we haven't tried it yet. Here, let's give it a try. Yeah. Mm, it's very it's sour. Good. It could be sweeter. It's it's tart. But, uh, it needs to I be like sweeter. That. Well, what what was this supposed to be? Um, I mean, right. I know what it's supposed no, to. No, okay. Be, so, well, that's the thing is, I've for? never made this, and I used a sugar substitute, so I just should have probably put like twice as much. Um, but so this is a a riff on a basil martini from a certain restaurant in the Kensington area of a French persuasion. If you know San Diego, you know, you know. Um, I don't want to say their name just because I didn't get their permission to do so. Chick-fil-A? Um, what's that? Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Oh, God, no. Never. I would never go to there. <laughs> yeah. Chip, uh, basil martini from Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A uh, is bad, everyone. Yeah. Chick-fil-A bad. I'm gay. If you care about gay people, don't go there. Yes. The, their uh, owner has contributed directly and indirectly to organizations that actively... Um, have policies or fund actions um, that are anti-LGBTQIA+. That's the Chick-fil-A, not the French restaurant in Kensington. Right, yes. <laughs> um, and that's important because even though they said that they've stopped doing that, I, I, I don't know. There's don't, evidence that that's a lie. Yeah, I, I mean, I believe. you know, if someone is, has, has certain moral um, proclivities... Or lack thereof, um, they're probably still giving money to to bad people. So, I'm good. Um, so basil martini, right? Uh, I went to visit with my stylist this week for a haircut, and she has a basil plant in her kitchen, which grows and grows and grows and grows. And so she had just trimmed all this fresh basil off of the the plant. And I was like, uh, did you murder the basil plant? Because it was just sitting on the counter. And she, Well, anyway, she washed it and gave it to me. And I was like, oh, I have to make a basil martini this week. Because, you know, what else would you do with all this amazing fresh basil? Is plant murder, like plant, what did you call it? Planticide? I don't know. It's it's not herbicide, is it? What's the scientific name for plant? I, like, just speaking of it generically, would it be like... Floresci- I don't know. Floreside? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Well, that would be like if it's a flower. Foliageside? Fauna. No, fauna something else. <laughs> Where we answer all Tree-aside. of your, all of your um, burning questions. <laughs> we'll find out. Homebound happy hour. So, um. Sorry. <laughs> 
we really packed a lot into that first couple of minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I mean, it's like just basically like I used erythritol or the monk fruit that I always use. I used um, a few teaspoons of that with some fresh lime, fresh lemon, and then I muddled the basil. And uh, it's with a local cut water vodka. I mean, it's good. It just definitely like needs some sweetness to it that is not in there. It's tart. What? You just put a little bit of yourself in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> or I could use honey. <laughs> it's like one of those, uh, you know, the. Uh, Recipe for a perfect wife. Oh, God. Take one tablespoon of sweetness, two tablespoons of... Subservience. <laughs> right, because that's where you find those. Yeah. It uh, That reminds me of the SNL thing where they're like, the, the signs with the words on it, and like they kept getting meaner and meaner, and all of them were about her being an alcoholic. That was recent. I forget who the host. That was funny, though. That, yeah. That was a good one. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. How about them Padres? No. Um, they did stuff this week. Yeah, they're right? doing pretty well, I think, which is surprising. Good for them. Um, I have said before, I think, on the podcast that it's, well... It's interesting that they're doing well because I, I I don't know I don't I don't really follow baseball I don't either all that much but I can tell when from the people that we interact with usually uh, although we we haven't been going but you can tell when they're doing good or not because you know people come Happy, in from the games good and spirits yeah whatever um, but uh, Major League Baseball has uh, what's called a a farm system so they have minor league teams and that's sort of uh like the professional equivalent of junior varsity um ninth grade team or freshman team um, all around the country and so they have different teams at different levels and the Padres so the next level up from or down from major league baseball is called triple a and then there's double a single a so AAA, the Padres AAA affiliate is actually in El Paso. Oh. The El Paso Chihuahuas. I feel like we've talked. I don't. We've at least talked about this, not while we were recording. Right. Uh, what was interesting is that since well, the the Chihuahuas were really good in terms of playing other AAA teams. Like I think they went to the championship or um, anyway. So I was always confused by the fact that they have the the best triple a players but then it's like once they go to san diego like they're just terrible <laughs> <laughs> if you could only get the chihuahuas to stop trembling right everyone everyone was so pissed off at that when they announced the name of the the team because they said they claimed it was like a fan contest you know people submitted names that's adorable and picked... it's also a place that's not that far from there Right. Well, some people took issue with it. Some people said that it was a little racist because, you know, it is a place and also a a, a cultural reference to 
the area, the Chihuahuan Desert. Uh, and then also because, you know, the dogs, sometimes they they depict um, stereotypical qualities or characteristics of, of Mexican-Americans. Like the Taco Bell dog. Yep. <laughs> um, and anyway. Or the Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Some people, right? Some people, uh, which was Drew Barrymore and, and Cheech, wasn't it? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I have zero knowledge of that. <laughs> Match made in heaven. Yeah. Hollywood power couple. Cheech Drew Marin Barrymore. And Drew Barrymore. And, and Cheech, <laughs> Cheech Marin. Marin? Marin. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um. All right. So we did. This is not the baseball or Beverly Hills Chihuahua theme podcast. What, what else do we have going on? Well... Um, we talked about in the last episode that the Oscars were coming up. Yes. And then they happened. We They happened and we watched them happen. And... Yawn. Yeah, it was, um... It was a snooze fest, except for the fashion, which was amazing. So, the, it was... Like, we, we were wondering, we asked on the podcast here, if it was going to be, like, a live in-person, were there going to mm-hmm. be hosts... And it was live in person, a much smaller audience. They had it at at mm-hmm. Union Station, mm-hmm. um, which apparently was a problem because they they occupied that for I don't know how many days before, and a lot of people that relied on the building, the facility, were unable to access it because of the the Oscars. Oh. Um. So, so that was an issue that I wasn't. That's such a Hollywood thing. Aware of. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Correction. Live on the air. Correction. It was not. Well, Cheech Marin may have been in it, but the, the leads in Beverly Hills Chihuahua, Drew Barrymore, and George Lopez. George Lopez. That's who it was. I could. I was trying to remember. I was like, he had a show. Probably we do not. have a correction from last time, though, from the, um. The discussion we were oh, having with right. Dom and Nadia mm-hmm. um, th- about the which one was it? I it was it was your correction. I don't remember. I didn't oh, participate. We were talking about the oh, it was the Lord of the Rings. Lord thing. of the Rings yeah. winning the the Best Picture Oscar. It was the third movie, not the second movie. Right. It was up against all the other ones that you mentioned, but that the year what it's. I don't remember what the year was, but the year Return was of the King was, just was the one that the won. The third movie, not the second movie. The other two that's... were were nominated, though I believe, for Best Picture. They I just think didn't so too. Win. Yeah, which is so <laughs> for both years. It's like, I don't know. We make mistakes all over the place, and I I never come back and correct any of it. But it's like I do notice. I just <laughs> I like, or I'll I'll look into it right afterwards, and I'm like, dang it. It's like a new drink. So, are we back in business? Yeah. So, the way that I made the first round of drinks was just way too tart, in my opinion. So, I went and reshook um, what we had with some honey and a little more basil. So, it could sweeten it up a little bit. 
but this time I just used Thai basil so that might be giving it a little savory element because mm-hmm. it's Thai basil is not as sweet as the German yeah that's so much better I like it I like I didn't mind the the tart tartness tartiness tart tartness tartiosity <laughs> of the previous um in hot hot depressed breaking news i just got an interesting email um oh yeah yeah so uh in case you weren't aware um we've been in a pandemic for a little over a year now and there's uh weird it's almost as if this whole podcast is based around that <laughs> no weird um you know there's still people out there and obviously not because of your geographic or cultural situation but i bet there's still people out there that are just like what's still going on is it it's not over yet i mean yeah. and not even deniers just people that for whatever reason oblivious have, yeah well well we've so, talked about before like we watch the news a lot so yeah we we've definitely got our fingers on the pulse the story those are our stories but as you may be aware um we're in the middle of trying to get people vaccinated and and it's just like you know so many face in palm moments that we've been going through these years and first when the just when the height of the pandemic was out there just getting people to you know social distance to wear masks. i mean we're still doing that but you know, it's just this chore to get people to, to do these things. And so now it's it's kind of starting to plateau or almost decrease the rate of vaccination. So it's kind of like we hit this peak. We got about almost 30% of the country, so they say, fully vaccinated. But now it's dropping off. They're not getting as many vaccinations a day. So that means people, for whatever reason, are are not you know, getting the vaccine or they decided that they're not going to, um, you know, I mentioned, I have a colleague, uh, that, that knows someone who's not a COVID denier. They're full. Oh yeah. Fully aware of COVID. They just don't want the vaccine because they believe the vaccine makes people sick and actually gives them COVID. And that's why people are getting sick and they feel so bad right after they get the shot but anyway um there's (sighs) uber has added uh, a feature to their app where you can schedule um a vaccine appointment through walgreens they partnered with walgreens and and get your ride uh right all within the app all within the same app Hmm. so that's progress yeah i mean that's a big deal because we know people that um are that don't have cars on demand transportation yeah. other than like uber but now well one of our one of our good friends mm-hmm. um could really use that so maybe that might help yeah i mean we'd like to hang out again someday please <laughs> well yeah and i think uh if you if you look at was it yesterday or the day before where the cdc uh, released it was new, new guidelines yeah. and Really what it comes down to is there's there's a pretty clear distinction between what you're able to do when you have 
the full vaccine versus what you're able to do if you don't. And I mean, you know, even if you're just a, man, I just want to get back to normal. I'm tired of this. Like that's, that's how you do it. I mean, you can, yeah, I mean, do whatever you want. You can go get out there. Get poked, motherfucker. Fully, fully uh, unvaccinated, but. Yeah, I mean, also in other news, like a, another good friend of ours just got their first appointment. So it's like, you know, they are out there. The availability is there. You just have to seek it. And right now it's, there's like not even that much of a wait. Yeah, I think every everything, at least here locally, is, is now walk-in also. I mean, yeah. I think you can still schedule appointments, but it's it's most places are first come first serve i want to say in national city it was like the the people that were volunteering were like tweeting like come Mm -hmm. down here we don't have a wait we're just sitting here waiting for you so we we are going to be a podcast that takes a stand and says go get your vaccinations if you are 16 and older um unlike joe rogan's podcast which he said oh god yeah that cursed name. Um, he had um, another one of our favorites, Bill Burr, on on Yuck. there. But even Bill Burr said, like, no, I don't want to get into that. It's like, you know, you without your science degree, me without my science degree, uh, don't have any business talking about what the CDC people wow, that do that have degrees. is what Bill Burr draws a line for. I know. God, <laughs> such a fucker. We're not fans. I mean... So we just lost two listeners, probably. <laughs> We're like all of them. <laughs> uh, I, I just can't be down with someone who's like, I need to be a misogynist because it's edgy and it makes me funny. Yeah. Like, that's not... Sorry, dude. That's not the way. Even if you don't consider yourself a misogynist or racist and you're you're you know trying to i don't know i don't don't know what the term is but trying to trying to be south parkian in the sense of right hey if we make it you know if we make it a joke then we we take the power back which i don't (laughs) i don't even think that's what bilber is doing (laughs) i I think he just likes pissing people off yeah especially women because he hates us no i don't think he hates women i think I think he thinks it's funny that he seems like he hates women. And I think his audience appreciates that because it allows them to hate on women. And what I don't I don't know. And other people and other people. I know a lot of comics have have personas and character, you know, their their character or their brand. And the actual person is. Well, yeah, we don't personally know him all the time. Right. But the, I guess the character or the brand of Bilber we do not care for. Or Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. No, of course. I mean, I very openly dislike Joe Rogan, and that is not a secret to anyone that's ever gotten into a conversation with me about it. And I've I've been saying this for a long time, and, and even like a good friend of ours, boyfriend was like, what? I love that dude. And I was just like, then you're not listening. Yeah. He's problematic AF. Well, that's the thing, too, is that you. We learn so much by listening to other people. And even if you yourself cannot listen and hear that 
listen to the people in your life or the people that you follow on social media or whatever saying this is why this is not good or problematic listen to them and don't just say oh well I don't have a problem with it I don't find it offensive so therefore it's not just thinking back on like former conversations we've had in in bars during happy hour about stuff like this and everyone saying like oh like if it's comedy then anything goes and I firmly am against that belief like no I'm sorry you don't get to say the n-word because it's comedy right among other huge aggressions but right. I mean, I, I digress. Like we talk, you know, we talked know, about this so I know, many times. But I, I don't, I don't think it's something that that can be said enough times because it, it, in the big picture, it contributes to normalizing the the use of derogatory terms and language that were originally meant to dehumanize group or groups of people. And, you know, if you don't think it's bad or problematic, you know, would you be comfortable saying it to a person you don't know who is a member of whatever group it is that you're mm-hmm. you're saying is that? Yeah, would you be comfortable going up to them? That's a good exercise. <laughs> I mean, it's not, oh, my, <laughs> my black friend says it all the time and that's just how we talk to each other. It's fine okay well whatever you know that person but if you went up to a stranger someone you don't know Mm -hmm. would you feel comfortable using that term that's i like that exercise that idea because that that can help people gain some perspective on like why it's not just a joke Mm -hmm. and if you do feel comfortable saying that then then you have bigger problems then you actually might be a piece of shit yeah <laughs> oh for sure yeah i mean you know and that's a, i <laughs> i joke around a lot and i say whenever we're discussing things i'm like i i kind of almost wished that people would just say oh it's because i don't like this particular group of people and i think they're beneath me okay that oh, don't makes worry sense. the 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 racists have been so comfortable lately saying these I things know. so they're they're this is their <laughs> Springtime for for racist Christ. Um, speaking of, I have a fun story. Oh, uh, but I'll save it for a little bit later because it involves family. <laughs> so, family, turn off this episode right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> In three, two, one. Um. I have a note from, you know, speaking of, uh, I have a note from watching the Oscars that just says fight the power (laughs) (laughs) because like the three major awards all went to a like pretty, you know, tone deaf white things other than the actual director of Nomadland. It was a pretty white fucking movie. Right. Um, And and we've talked about that. We mentioned that and, and, and not that it wasn't. It was good. Well done. It's just what I don't know. Like I don't. I guess I don't understand enough about. Well, 
I think I understand enough about culture and society as to why certain things went over others, but I know I don't have a robust technical knowledge of all things required in filmmaking to, you know, judge them either singularly or collectively as a whole, like in a best picture. Well, it was best picture because it had the best screenwriting, the best you know, technical people, the best uh, sound, the best gaffers, best, best, the best, best boys. Because <laughs> that's a position that you only see. You're like, what's that? <laughs> uh, gaffers, whatever. And I'm not saying, like, I see a movie and I can tell that it's good. It's well written. It's, it's, uh, you know, whatever it does. But like, like what you were saying, it, it just doesn't it wasn't very powerful for me. Like it didn't, it didn't like jar anything. I completely agree. Me. Yeah. And that's, that's what I look for in a, in, in, in a film or, or, you know, any work of art, I guess. I mean, I, I but. totally understand that right now it is very important to focus on like the wealth gap and people in poverty mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but to me, it, it succeeded in that sense like you definitely felt for the people living in their vans but something that the the film conveyed is that they were happy doing that and that they did that on purpose many of those people right and for me it just seemed very um i hate this is like such a sweeping statement but like they were so privileged other than their poverty because it was like a primarily white film. Right. And that's, I think that's a good, a good like basis for discussion of that point, because that seems to be a very difficult concept for, for some people to understand that the whole that privilege is not about wealth. Right. And that, well, we grew up dirt poor. How, how dare you say I'm privileged? You know, right. I'm not, I don't have white well, privilege. I mean, it has nothing to do with wealth, right? But just like, like in the in the case of of Nomadland, for for instance, Francis Dorman's character was able was able to, for the most part, I mean, you know, yes, there are other considerations as a woman, but to be able to travel freely without confrontation alone. Yeah, and just, I mean, she got stopped for sleeping in her van a couple times, right. but it was like, okay, move along now. Yeah, uh, she was able to get these sort of odd jobs. No one shot her in the fucking back, right? You know? She was able to get these odd jobs, whereas I think a lot, and you know, a lot of our listeners and myself included. I mean, I don't know that we would have been able to do those things. I don't think I could. I don't know. I probably could because of of how I look, but. I, we have another, friends like, who wouldn't be able to just waltz up to some. Another thing I just kind of wanted to mention RV strangers was like Francis McDormand. Well, first of all, her speech was weird as hell. Um, even like her wolf howl. Everything about it um, was weird, but I just felt like she got best actress again. But this time, all she did was play herself shitting in a bucket. You know, like that was like, oh, so edgy. Like, oh, it's such a brave performance. Like all she did was play herself and then she shat in a bucket. 
If I had a dollar for it, no. Spoiler alert on (laughs) Nomadland, she shits in a bucket. No, but like, I mean, but my point was like that the other actresses that were nominated gave phenomenal, like gut-wrenching performances. Mm -hmm. And this one was super boring compared to the others. Yeah. I mean, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, like Viola Davis, like broke my heart to watch that performance. Mm -hmm. Um, That whole movie was so good. That whole play, I should say, because it was... That's right, yeah. It was, like, very much like watching theater. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give too much away about the films or anything. I just felt, for me, my personal best picture was Sound of Metal, and I was really disappointed that it didn't really win anything except for sound. I agree. I uh, That was my personal favorite film. The, what I felt was the, the best, most meaningful or... or uh, um, the one that affected me the most, I guess. I thought that Trial of the Chicago 7 maybe had the best chance to win. I thought so too, but, and then uh, it just like didn't take any awards home. But, um, but you know, I mean, I, I did kind of see it coming too, just because of what, what we know about the Academy, but then also it, Nomadland was already winning like some yeah. of the other awards too. Yeah. The, but I mean, obviously, like we would be remiss if we didn't speak of the largest upset of the night that they restructured the entire awards ceremony for. And that was Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor and not Chadwick Boseman, which was the reason the producers right. changed the lineup of right. the awards. And because and they for, were sure that he would posthumously, posthumously, uh, I sometimes I read and everything's yeah. phonetic. Um, but everyone was sure Chadwick Boseman was going to take that award home for Mom Rainey's Black Bottom. Well, they um, capitalized on it too because they, you know, they put the thing in the gift bags and they yeah. they played it up and and capitalized on his death, only to not honor. <laughs> If that's not just like a like a enormous example of anti-blackness, I don't know what the fuck is like that is to me. I just I was. That's why I wrote fight the power. Because I was very upset. Mm -hmm. I'm in no way saying that Anthony Hopkins doesn't deserve the best actor award or that he didn't give the performance of his career because allegedly he did. That's the only movie we didn't watch. Mm-hmm. But this has nothing to do with Anthony Hopkins' performance. It is just ridiculously upsetting that even after he died, they, the Academy could not recognize that performance. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, he gave while he was suffering from cancer. Right. Uh, and... And just just so many things. I mean, that bigger picture, larger scale um, sorts of things where it's just like, you know, you have to give a, you know, this above and beyond performance just to be recognized and mentioned in the same breath and in the same vein as as. You know, like Francis fine. McDormand. Yeah, <laughs> fine. You know, they're fine. It's good. You know, I'm sure that was good. But that, um, so that 
that's a good segue into what I was mentioning earlier. Um, because there are a lot of people that, you know, our favorite people that always like to argue on the internet that are, that are, that came out and said, well, yeah, the Neil Hopkins performance was better. You know, it doesn't, this isn't about race, just who had the best performance. And, um, I saw something. So I, I, I've mentioned on the podcast that I've essentially lost some family members due to deferring beliefs, uh, and things that I just would not placate or, or accept. Um, and I mean, actually I didn't, they're, they're the ones that, that uh kind of social media disowned me but well and i have had the same experience with many of my cousins so i saw uh another family member tag um one of one of um one of the people um with whom i'm no longer social media friends with and in a post just about i think it was like their friend friend anniversary on facebook or whatever and so this person said something about that and just out of curiosity i was just I clicked on, on the family member's profile just to see the kinds of things that I'd seen some interesting things being posted on there. And, uh, they had posted an, an article, uh, about, I believe there is a, an airline that's committing to, um, to increase diversity. Uh, it was like an airline and they're going to hire, you know, hire more, people of color, uh, pilots, I think it was. And they just posted it and then they mentioned someone else and then someone I don't know, that's not related to, um, just made a comment and said, you know, I don't care as long as there's, they're the most, it should be the most qualified people. And so that's, that's a very shrouded way of saying that, they think this is affirmative action and people of color, particularly black people don't deserve um, these positions when they, when, when companies go out of the way to, to, you know, make a stand. This happens in education all the time. How available is that education to all people? Right. And that's the bigger picture again, is that you don't understand you know, why, why there's a disparity in there. And a lot of times it's not that there aren't qualified people in the pool. It's just that your, your organization is not doing enough to one, create a, um, a positive supportive work environment, uh, and a place where people of color feel comfortable working for there and then the other thing too is that the people in charge and positions of power and hiring and ceos are themselves the ones that are not not diverse so it's again almost always you see like the chair of like all those people mm -hmm. and it's like all and it's like okay yeah great you know hire hire more hire more more um people of color as pilots but what about your your board of directors right what about your upper management like that do that too 
And and the other thing too is that this isn't There's so many things. <laughs> it's not like they're <laughs> it's not like, well, we don't have enough pilot, you know, we gotta hire, you know, fifty percent, whatever the number is. So um all right, well we'll just we'll just get from the uh you know, cafeteria staff. I mean, no, you have to be qualified yeah. to be a pilot. Like there's 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 a bar. So it's not like they can just grab people from wherever that are unqualified to to be pilots. You have to meet a criteria, right? You have to go to flight school, you have to complete hours, you have to I'm sure there's tests that you have to pass. I don't know. I've never tried to be one. But that's essentially saying that everyone that meets this criteria is qualified. So I don't understand what the problem is about saying, well, no, you know, this is this is reverse discrimination. It's reverse racism because, you know, which is also a false term. Yeah, um, re- reverse racism does not exist, right? Right. You can't be racist against the people that have the, all the power. Right, because yeah. racism is based on power. So now that we've gotten all the uh, heavy conversations out of the way for this episode, um, we watched something that we were eagerly waiting for to drop on HBO this week. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, and and you, the listeners, are not treated to the visual that I am. <laughs> like the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mortal Kombat 2021. That was a treat. It was, it was. Better than the last one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean. Hot steaming pile of garbage. So now we, I mean, we, we were talking about films before, and this is sort of what I alluded this to last movies. week. This yeah. is a movie or a flick, even. Um, so this this is not gonna. The special effects were really well done. And it's stuff. not gonna win any screenwriting awards. No, but I even said it's not what you watch a movie like this for. When we were watching it, like midway through, I was like, "Who wrote this? An AI?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, "Wow, the writing is bad." Um, when it's probably still on there, you can probably find it, but, um, the onion was doing, uh, some, some like short videos, uh, and there was a whole thing that they did about, uh, an interview with the screenwriter of one of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, geez. It's like a three-year-old kid. <laughs> and he was like, oh, get in the car, boo. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it is a little more complex yeah. than, than that, but I, um, I feel like just from like start, start to finish, like I was like, what, you know, I didn't, I picked up my phone, but only to compare like what the characters look like compared to the video game characters. Mm-hmm. And they they did fine on the, yeah. yeah I mean like the costuming and the makeup and the uh, special effects were all really good. They definitely did not want to take a chance on it being not R rated due to violence, right? And, and they do the I don't know if, <laughs> if everybody remembers like the 
I think it was on the Daily Show and they would do like the story of Ricky O, like which is the original movie it's from, where like yeah. the two hands go and smash the head. Oh, and yeah. the head explodes. They did that shit in this movie. Yeah, they exploded a head. It's um, among other things. I wonder. So back in uh, whenever it was that it came out in the eighties, right? The the film RoboCop. Yes. So somewhere, probably in storage, unless it's in my collection. I had the Criterion Collection DVD of RoboCop, which was uh, it has the director's cut, which was originally X-rated due to the violence. Oh wow! And I was wondering, like, just I didn't know how, that. and I don't remember it being that. I mean, it was it was the reg- the theatrical cut is pretty violent. Anyway, <laughs> you know, they just. They basically uh, like obliterate his certainly his is, legs yeah. with uh, with bullets, um, but I just I don't know like this this movie as released seems like it was a lot more. Do we just have a a higher standard or a higher threshold for for that these days? It's those darn video games, I tell you. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. We must. I mean, they're. There was some gruesome stuff. Yeah. For sure. Like, no doubt. I... Like the I, band? No. Oh, like, uh, no doubt. Like, without no a doubt. doubt there was. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I wasn't that shocked by any of it. Other than being like, oh, this is a gory movie. But like we might have to bring back the safe word then because <laughs> the it was just that so like this you know like I said the costuming the special effects like the makeup was all really good what the movie lacked was writing and acting <laughs> um, those but, are key elements but what, some of the know, actors were good did did you expect to be impressed by the acting or the screenwriting I, I mean it's... in some way. That at least they would look at the 1990 whatever version and be like, we've got to be better than this. And it is. Yeah. It is better. Um, You know, I did find myself wondering at one point if Kano's secret superpower was going to be racism because he had <laughs> that in spades. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sexism for that matter. Uh, but... You know, I feel bad because some of the bad guys carry that whole movie on their backs. Like Kano. Do you think that... So, um, video games, is, it's interesting. Um, you know, everyone sort of has a has an image that comes to their mind when you say, like, gamer. You see the word gamer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and not just the the player... Um, demographics but also from the on the creative side the production side has been one of the most sexist misogynistic we had look at gamergate is and and it's almost like a chicken and the egg thing now it's like where are uh you know video game companies so sexist and misogynistic because the gamers are or the other way around um but there's a if you haven't seen it, it's on Apple TV Plus. They're getting ready to renew to do the second season next month. But Mythic Quest, 
which is the Rob oh, McElhaney. Oh, yeah, I need to watch that. Um, it's it's interesting, and it, it points um, that out, but it does have some um, strong female character, uh, which, of course, they struggle quite a bit because the the culture is so yeah the industry is, so is a whole. terrible and they're mm-hmm. not even that bad i mean you know they're just they're more ignorant about their misogyny than anything else um you know it's just like that you have to praise that like that oh well they're not that bad yeah but um they're not the sexistest of mm-hmm. the sexists So we also watched um, the Soleil Moon Fry. Yes, Kid 90. Um, Kid 90, uh, which, so something I found really interesting and very valuable for her was that she liked to document things. And so she always took photos and had a video camera, like a recorder. And she would also record her conversations and her um answering machine messages Mm -hmm. and if you um don't know what an answering machine is you (laughs) are probably not our demographic Um, right (laughs) that's it's like a voicemail but in person like you would just push a button and it would go like you'd have to to yeah you had to buy a machine uh to hook up to your telephone uh that would that would answer and a telephone is (laughs) 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 no okay so she had put all of these things away she you know obviously she grew up a child star she was punky brewster and was a teen star as well i guess you're fighting it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh she so she documented all of these friendships and all of these like things that happened in her life she just always had the video camera on her and she put it away for like 15 or 20 years or something. And she just got it all back out and watched them and like cut everything together and made a movie. And it was actually pretty awesome. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, a, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some, some of the reviews. So the reviews were kind of, uh, one of one of two kinds of reviews. One were like, "Oh, this is pretty good," or you know, "I really enjoyed this." The nostalgia, blah blah blah, um, positive. And there weren't not that there were bad reviews, but there were a couple in there. But a lot of people didn't like. They they thought it was too self serving. That this was just, uh, you know, a, I guess a myopic view that it wasn't really very thorough it's just sort of her like watching these old movies and talking about it which well, i didn't so what they're I her movies well i know i mean that's the she is the subject of the documentary yeah i mean it's not it's not anything else it's not a story it's not you know <laughs> anything else it's i mean she is the subject and so she's using uh all this media this this rediscovered footage even to um to go back and reconstruct our our memories how we remember them right and uh, and she it's very uh revealing for her because she she learns some truths that were not apparent to her before 
Um, and yeah, it's, she it's says, like, was I being selfish? Actually, quite heartbreaking. But but it's also, you know, I think the negative reviews were like, oh, I can't relate to this. But I I think we can all relate to it in some point because that's exactly what you know we we've all experienced. I mean, we've all experienced so many things, and and as as people that are trying to do better and to learn, I am constantly remembering interactions with people and things that I did when I was younger and learning from those, like realizing that I didn't act in, in the best way, or I didn't respond in the best way or whatever the case was. Um, but you know, it definitely affected a lot of the people around her who also happened to be famous people like her. Right. <laughs> and so that, you know, if you, you, if you're nostalgic, if you're from that time period, you grew up like, like we are that age, then at the very least you'll appreciate it for that. Yeah. And it, like, especially like seeing some of the now more famous people like Charlie Sheen or, mm -hmm. Leonardo Charles. DiCaprio, Charles. Yeah, he always yeah. said that on her answering machine. Hello, this is it's Charles. Charles. Um, Leo <laughs> DiCaprio so was there, and you know, people like that, or Mark Paul Gossler, who's from mm -hmm. Saved by the Bell. Like those people are in this film, and they are shown like on video when they were their younger selves. Some mm -hmm. of them don't record interviews, and some do. Mm -hmm. um, but like you'll probably recognize everyone in it except for maybe a few people who were like her skateboarder friends in New York. Mm -hmm. But like seeing what she went through, especially like with her development and everything mm -hmm. and like getting yeah. it, she got a breast reduction surgery, which, you know, in my era that was widely known because I was only a few years younger than her. But mm -hmm. to maybe some of our younger listeners, they might not remember that about her and that that was like a huge deal at the time because she was, advocating for other girls and saying you can do this like you mm -hmm. don't you don't have to live with the back pain or the um lens that's put on you as like a loose woman because mm -hmm. of the size of your breasts like that's something she fully went through and like couldn't get roles right and so that like that body image and that you know the way she felt about herself and she felt terrible about herself and also subsequently some of the things that happened to her like, those are things that many women can relate to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, like, she had that conversation on tape of a man after he had drugged her. Mm -hmm. When she was only supposed to be drinking ginger ale. Right. Like, that was raw to listen to. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, overall, like, I got so much from that. And I feel like, you know, I... At that age, like, I didn't document anything. I rarely took photos until I was a little bit older. I didn't like to be in pictures when I was a teen. I didn't want to be on camera or on video mm. unless I had to for, like, theater stuff. And we didn't have cell phones then. Like, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 19. So. Same. I mean, just probably because they weren't invented yet, but. <laughs> yeah, <me. laughs> my first friend to have a cell phone was uh was Jenna. Oh yeah, yeah, she had one in ninth grade to, for emergencies. I had a pager. I had a pager first. But like you know, like that, 
I didn't think to document anything and I'm I'm kind of regretful that I wasn't able to do that and like relive those experiences but I'm also kind of glad because some of them were terrible yeah I don't I don't (laughs) have a whole lot of positive experiences uh that that I wished to archive yeah um well I'm just glad that I can do it now that I can make silly little videos of our dog or mm-hmm. silly little videos of you and your nephew dancing in a booth at the bar or oh yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like take pictures and get them printed for free from free prints or you mm-hmm. know like things like that i'm i'm just i'm grateful for like our ability to document now but i'm kind of i guess i don't regret like missing out on that but i'm i'm glad that i don't have to look back and cringe on it, you know. I it interested me and and there were a couple of times in at a couple of points in my life later on, not not quite as a teenager, but maybe a little bit older where I you know, like I invested in a, a camcorder to do that, but I just I don't know. I just I guess they're just too lazy. And, and then too, you're like the weirdo with the camera. Too yeah, too non committal to you know like stick with it i'm like well that like i mean like influencer face influencer culture is like a thing now and then but it's all fake right because it's like oh well you you do this until you get the perfect shot but like you know you've got someone like me who like i do these drink videos now whenever possible and i try to do it in one take so i don't have to edit Mm -hmm. and it's just literally laziness but also like I don't want to sit here and do the video all day long. I want to try to get it done. And like, hopefully I don't make that many mistakes. Like good thing I used to be an actress because I can get through it without messing up too badly. I think that's important for the listeners to know that we don't, I mean, everything that we do is including this podcast, the videos is, is minimally edited. I mean, yeah, it's still, it's still labor, intensive because there i mean there there naturally is some production involved there's some yeah editing i mean sometimes and we, still we spend have money sound on issues and, and things like and, that yeah i mean things like lighting and 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 sound and things like that uh but for the most part I mean, we don't we don't uh like like what you what you hear is what you get usually like yeah we know. don't go back and do <laughs> takes or anything like that or like reshoot the videos yeah. like i Today's video, I was like, hang on, don't start it yet. I want to be ready so I don't have to edit it. I and am then, just you know, as misinformed like, as I sound on, <laughs> on record because I don't. Oh, if anything, <laughs> I am. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I love that. And I'm glad that we have the ability to document things now. Um, but looking back on that, like, I can tell that she was very, like, rueful of some of the things that she missed like friends crying out for help and saying that they were contemplating suicide that she didn't like realize at the time and well and you'll you'll, if when you watch it at at the end you'll see like she she pays a tribute to Mm -hmm. those that have been lost since right and and it's it's kind of a a staggering number i mean because if i think about i mean i don't have a very big friend group Back then, anyway, but if I'd lost that many people, well, that would be that would be really difficult too. Um, one other thing that that, and this is like a fun fact. 
one other thing that that movie helped me remember was that um, seeing Stephen Dorff on screen <laughs> several times reminded me that in 2000, in a chat room, someone was trying to catfish me and tell me that they were Stephen Dorff, the actor. But like they picked a kind of obscure actor even for 2000. Yeah, because that was... Uh, I just happened to know who he was because I am done, pop culture. Had he done Blade yet, even? No. no? When did this Blade was pre-Blade. It was yeah. like right around then. So yeah, so somebody tried to catfish me, and even then I was like, there is no... <laughs> there is no way that this is Steven Dorff. I'm sorry. And um, yeah, that was like my my like five minutes that I was into chat rooms. I got out of that pretty fast. Yeah, that was... I, I never got into chat rooms. I just felt like it was kind of predatory and I recognized oh, that sure right away. Yeah. And like, you know, people trying to like swing and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was on like, I forget what it was, but it was like, well, Hey, if you ever want to, people would private message you and stuff. And it, I'd be like, I'm 18. Like, I don't, I'm only 18 years old. Well, that's all right. <laughs> no, I'm good. No, but see, it's not. But I was all, I, I was so lonely then because so many of my friends went away to school. So, like, mm-hmm. I needed somebody to talk to, you know? And, like, this was before cell phones or my oh, cell phone. I'm sure a lot of people benefited from the, the community that they found. But then that's also... <laughs> that's also why people get into, like, 4chan and then 8chan and all that. Mm-hmm. QAnon bullshit. I mean, I I get that we have this need for a community and to find others like us, but um, a lot of times, just just like in-person friends, when people come to you for advice, a lot of times they just want they want you to have the same. They want they want they want you to tell them what they want to hear, right? And so they find, and that's why so. Full circle back to what we were talking about before, why jokes are important, is that so many people don't start out or don't flip a switch and just say, oh, I'm a racist now. I'm I'm a white supremacist. It's, it's normalized. They, they don't maybe grow up hearing terms, but they have... A friend or an older sibling or a, some family member that tells them a racist joke or they hear it in their presence and ha 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 oh that's funny because whatever group they're talking about or making the joke about you know ha 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 that's funny so that's the beginning of that normalization and so the more that they hear it they tend to be fueled by other people that also do that and say that, and it just grows and grows and grows and grows like a cancer until you're at the point to where you're, you know, claiming that, you know, Hillary Clinton has a sex dungeon through pedophilia in the, in the basement. Someone's going to take shop. this clip and be like, Andy said this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so, yeah, I'm still going to 
say something when you make a shitty, racist, sexist, homophobic joke because if somebody doesn't call you out, all you know, all it takes is sometimes one person to say, that's not, that's not cool, that's not right. From them be like, oh yeah, okay, you know. Unless there's like that, like that one guy we know who likes to do devil's advocate. Thank God we both unfriended that dude. It's exhausting. It was exhausting. You have to work so hard to be friends with some people. And it's like, I should not have to argue for the side of anti-racism. And if I do, we're not friends. Like, if you're just arguing for the sake of arguing, I don't want to be friends with you. Right. And so we both bowed out from that friendship because for me, it was the whole, you know, bragging about cheap tickets to Cabo in the beginning of the pandemic and gaslighting people who were scared. Right. I like remember myself. That. Right. And, uh, I mean, they, they later, I don't even want to say reversed there, but changed the tune, changed their tune. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, we should all. But it was like he was only arguing to argue. Yeah. I was like, if you're in Cabo enjoying your vacation right now, what are you doing on Facebook arguing with me? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Go drink your margaritas, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, margarita sounds good. Yeah, we have all that that uh, that mix that we got from beveraging Mo. (laughs) <laughs> Our listeners don't know about that thing you do. Sure they do. They 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 figured it out by now. <laughs> Andy, Andy likes to put an ang on weird. things uh, in the middle of things. No, you can't try to explain it cuz when you when you try to explain it it makes me sound like a lunatic. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not. And that's not a slight to, <laughs> to lunatics. lunatics. Uh but you know, we we try not to use vernacular such as as that that is demeaning um and insensitive um speaking of lunatics one of our fish is a bully oh she he is straight on like it's like it it just picks on the other fish until they die pretty much like roid rage yeah like it's got like all this energy and it's like must pick on other fish and then like then that fish will die the mm-hmm. next but i don't i don't see it like actually doing anything to them it, it might just be a coincidence but i'm like do we get rid of that fish or like do we what do we do and so I far so far we don't have a solution we don't we don't have a solution <laughs> there's no if answer any, if anyone has any suggestions it's, it's now picking um, on the one tetra that swims funny so that one's probably going to be next well I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> Except drive it out to a farm. <laughs> it's happy with my aunt. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a whole farm it's a to whole run around. Farm to swim around and, and antagonize the cows and the other <laughs> farm creatures. So, um, so what else did we watch this week? We finally got to season three of Disenchantment. Yes. Oh, that is a delightful. <laughs> I love it. Hidden show. It's it's 
for for me it's hidden anyway i don't know but like when i it's on netflix it the is first a, season was heavily advertised and it hasn't been since right. which is such a bummer because one abby jacobson from broad city yes. who is hilarious so is an, the main character it's a matt graining who created the simpsons and futurama it's an Matt Greening animated series mm-hmm. uh, set in. Well, we well, don't know the time. We don't know the time. It's like it's a, a fantasy. It's yeah. a fantasy. Um, like a kingdom. Series. Yeah. Yeah. So Game of Game of Thrones, how that's in a non-specific time or or universe or whatever. Um, but yes, it's. It is both that brand of humor that we're used to from from shows like that but i think it's a little more um i I don't know exactly how to say it but i think the like the storyline is more developed and it's more definitely more episodic and you know linear like from a storytelling perspective it's it's very good and it's funny yeah and there are i mean i i definitely have like been emotionally touched yeah, in an episode there, or there two are some serious they hit on some stuff mm-hmm. um so it's abby jacobson is the main character for the princess yeah um and then um eric andre, andre. plays her uh, like a sidekick the of hers companion a, yeah so i don't want to give away too much um and then nat faxon uh from wasn't he from mad tv I think so. Yeah. yeah. So he's also like the third. There's like a trio, like a little Three Musketeers action going on with those three, and it's wonderful. It's that subtle, almost hidden humor. Sometimes, uh, think I think that's definitely one that you know probably need to go back and rewatch to to catch everything because some some things are just really, you know, like yeah. lightning quick. It's it's whip smart too. Whip like smart, I, yeah. um, it reminds me a lot of Futurama. Yeah. Like less of The Simpsons, but more like Futurama. Um, it's great. Anyway, we finally watched season three, which yeah. came out, I think, last year. And we just kept not getting around yeah, to it. Yeah, we kept not getting around to it. But we finally did it. And I'm so. So I think that uh, puts a nice bow on things for the week, wouldn't you say? Do you have any any other updates or? No, um, no, I don't think so. Um, I would like to take a moment to, and I'll try to get through this without getting emotional. But, um, uh, a dear friend of of mine, of ours, um, someone who I've known from before, um, just had their last um chemotherapy session and is now. Uh, done and cancer free and um you know they um they sent a thank you to us just for for um being there and uh, i just want to take a moment to say that um you know first of all we appreciate the thanks but um you know we're we're both very um inspired and um proud of your of your courage and um not just you know through through what you've been going through but from the time that i've known you i mean you've been a very um instrumental person in my um 
in my growth as a person as well. So um, thank you, and we're very glad that you're that um, yeah you're you're done. You got to ring the bell. So congratulations. Yeah. We're both so weepy right now. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, so on that note, um, that's a good note. I mean, yeah. positive. Um, we will, we will say goodbye to episode fifty-four, and uh, we will see you or talk to you <laughs> next week. Next week, yeah. Uh, <laughs> next week we have a special guest. Yes, we oh. do. Maybe I do want to make a margarita for our special guest. All right. We'll see. Well, until then. Be safe. Be smart. And be sanitary. And get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. That's part of being sanitary, right? No. I think we need to make a special <laughs> yeah. be, be vaxxed. Get your vaccines. Thank you for listening to Homebound Happy Hour. Stream or download episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, give our Facebook page a like at Homebound Happy Hour and follow on Instagram at Homebound Happy Hour Podcast.